worried for a second that they were still playing, and I was like, you're not expecting me to sing, are you? Um, very grateful that our church is made up of many different talented people, those who are talented in creative ways, and those who are talented in physical ways, or in mental ways, or talented in ways that don't encompass any of those things. I'm very grateful. I, I, I'm grateful that you don't have to have me lead singing. I'm grateful for that. I hope you're grateful for that. We have such a talented group of worship leaders. And, you know, I was thinking just right now, I was thinking two songs ago, my wife would probably be like, don't say this, but uh, you were singing about, you know, there's nothing I hold on to. And I'm so grateful Chase explained that to me in the middle of the song. I don't know where you are, Chase, because I've been singing that for 10 years. And I'm like, why are we telling Jesus we're bad rock climbers? Like, I just don't get it. And I'm like, that is not how you climb a mountain, not with your hands open, you grab the rock. But I'm grateful. Now I understand. No, it's about, you know, that I'm trusting in you. And we want to do that. We want to be people who trust in God as we go through the trials in our life. And this last month, we've been going through a series together on deconstruction. And I know for me, I've been very grateful uh, for this series I feel like it's really helped my heart and my mind as I'm working through things in my walk with God. And it, it really is something that's rarely talked about in church, uh, but often talked about among the church. It's something that we often talk about amongst ourselves and we're working through, especially as a, as a millennial, right in the middle of the millennials, we love to talk about the ways that we're deconstructing our faith. And working through it. So I'm very grateful for the, the leadership team, for the curriculum group who, who put this together. I feel like for me, it's been very, very helpful. Thank you guys. You know, we've been going through, oh, we've been going through kind of the types of deconstruction and we're going through it part by part and we've talked about disillusionment and disassociation. Last week, Jordan talked about redefinition, about how we define ourselves and what we who we really are and our identity and finding it in Jesus. And so today, we're going to talk about doubt and disorientation. And uh, I don't know, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I got a call and they said, hey, can you guys share about doubt and disorientation? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Cool, you know, whatever you guys want me to do. And I was like, but I got to ask, why doubt and disorientation and why us? <laughs> And they said, well, your life's pretty disorienting, and you seem to have a lot of doubts. So at the very least, people can relate. And so hopefully, no matter what we say, you can, at the end of the day, you can feel, okay, at least there's someone else who has a disorienting life and can have a lot of doubts. So today, we're going to talk about this a little bit. But first, it's always good to brag about these munchkins. Oh, you put that picture of Finn. Well, there you go. Um, uh, obviously, we've been up here just a little bit, but if you all know, we, if you have, don't know, we just moved here a little over two months ago from St. Louis. Um, this is where I became a Christian, where I grew up. My parents lived down the road. Karen, uh, Kendall's parents live in Gwinnett. And, um, and so, but we've been gone, uh, we had just gotten married and we left. So now we're back, obviously, and we have three additions. <laughs> and um, so we got Anna, who is five, 
Finn, who is three, and little Ava, who is one. She'll be two soon. Um, so we have lots of fun. Um, this is a typical picture of the Albert family. I don't know if it's the third kid that you can never get all of your kids smiling. I don't know what it is, but it, I felt like it started happening around the third kid. I was like, we're never going to get another picture. So I just no. embrace it, go with it. Um, but yes, we love being here. Uh, the kids, I mean, even what Melissa was saying about classes, they're loving the classes. We feel very loved and welcomed here. I feel like it's fun to connect with old friends and make new friends. So it's been just a joy yeah. to be back. It still doesn't feel new. I've had a few transitions, so I'm like, okay, around year one, I'll feel like this is normal. <laughs> it takes time, but what's great is it's been a great transition and we're really grateful to be here, be with you guys, get to be with our family. Um, and then Jordan and Latoya are our best friends, so it is very special to be back. Um, but yeah, this is our family and this is, this is us, so yeah. Yeah. So our youngest, Ava, right there, she's smiling in this picture. If you meet her normally, she's grumpy. And uh, so last night, that's our youngest, Ava, and I'm told her, but last night was a trunk or treat, and it was awesome. Did anybody go, or it was really great? Um, I don't know what my next, okay. Um, so I was going, and my, our youngest, Ava, she's almost two, she's not two yet. Thanksgiving Day this year. She turns two. And she's wonderful and awesome. So this is really her first Halloween trick-or-treating experience was trunk or treat last night. And so so I said, like, okay, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna walk her by the hand and I'm gonna take her from you know from car to car and we're gonna get candy. And my kids we're, we're bad parents. We give our kids too much candy. So our kids love candy. And so I was like, she's gonna love this. And so we get so I'm like, okay, let's go trick-or-treating. And she's like, no, I'm good. She doesn't want to do it. She's like fighting me, and she doesn't know what's coming. And so eventually I pull, I'm like pulling her to the first car, and I said, say please. And so she, she doesn't talk much, so she's like this. She's like, please. And Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> so she wrote, you know, does the sign language, says please without an L, right? She says please. And, uh, and then they, someone gives her some candy. She looks down and... She's like, what? And then I'm like, I'm like, say thank you. She said, thank you. And she's like, okay, that was weird. Like, I got candy when I said, please. So I'm like, let's go to the next car. And she's still fighting me a little bit. Gets to the next car. She does the same thing, you know, says please. And then they give her more candy. And then we go to the next car. And now she's like walking. Like, now she's, she's kind of ahead of me. And she's getting excited. And we go from car to car. And, she, and with each car, she's getting more excited at all the candy. As she's seeing more and more candy. And and by like car four, now she's just like grabbing handfuls of candy and throwing them in. Like someone's trying to give her one and she's just like shuffling them in there. And, and she's so adorable that no one's saying no to her. And, and, and then we, we keep going and she's getting really excited. And then we get to uh, a car, we get to the Jackson's car. And they have like a game where you're like bowling and the kids get a bowl and then they get, I guess if you get them all down, you get more candy. Uh, kind of thing, but like they're bowling, it's kind of like a cool aspect to it. And so she's like, oh, this is like in her head, you could tell she's like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. A game, and like this is awesome. So she cuts right in front of all the big kids who can play the games and like puts out her basket. And, and Jasmine uh, gives, her, gives her an orange. <laughs> and she takes it, she puts it in her basket, and right as she looks, and then she looks in, kind of thinking, what did I just, this isn't, 
and notices there's an orange in her basket, takes the orange and throws it, and walks to the next station. And at this point, she's like, I'm done. Like, you tricked me. I've been lied to. You want me to eat oranges, which is funny because she likes oranges. But so now I'm like, okay, let's go to the next car, uh, the next car. And she's like, no, I'm good. And she's done going to cars because of the orange. All because she got disoriented. She had thought that her whole life, this whole trick-or-treating experience was say, you know, do my sign language, say peas, people think I'm adorable, they give me lots of candy. Something, something different happened. Now what do I do? You know, and as a parent, for all the parents who brought fruit instead of candy, thank you. You, you are saving me lots of money on dental bills and for myself, it's the truth is I'm eating that candy. Um, and I probably need more fruit in my diet. Yes. But, <laughs> you know, but just as, you know, that was so disoriented for my, for my 20 month old or my 21 month old, life can throw us curveballs. And we can feel like everything's going great and going grand and then something happens and we're like, I don't know what to do. I'm done. How do I move forward now? And so in the same way, this happens in our spiritual walk. Just as we get thrown off in life, we get thrown off in our walk with God. Everything's going good, everything's going grand. Whoa, what just happened? And so we get disoriented and often, that leads to doubt. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, it's right before 2 Kings. Um, all the numbers are all in the Bible together. Kind of, there's three groupings of numbers, they're all in together. And uh, 1 Kings 19, we're going to read 1 through 5 here. That is not at all the right... It is 1 Kings 19, 1 through 5, but it's not Matthew 22. That's wrong. I am too. Um, <laughs> I wrote a different sermon and that got in there. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, sat under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down and fell asleep. It says Elijah was afraid. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. You know, Elijah is considered still to this day 
to be the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. When the Jews talk about the great prophets, they will, they will always list, or always, they will usually list Elijah as the greatest in the Old Testament. Right before this very moment, he had just prayed a prayer and fire came down from heaven and consumed everything it touched. He had prayed a single prayer one time and fire came down from heaven. I've been praying for most of my life for that to happen. Still not happened yet. <laughs> Elijah prayed a single prayer and it stopped raining for three and a half years. Then prayed again and it, and it rained. Elijah turned a little jar of flour into food for a long time for a family. Elijah did miracles that we don't even understand. We can barely comprehend how it happened. And right after some, all these things are happening, all the ways that God is using him, Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And he's afraid and it's like, I'm done. He just stood before the prophets of Baal. He just stood before thousands of people and stood up for God, knowing that if it didn't work, if his prayer didn't work, he was going to die. And then one person threatens him and he's done. You know, I think I initially read this and I get very confused. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why in the world would he go from such great heights, such high highs in his walk with God, to such low lows so quickly? Why would the greatest prophet in the Bible have such a low low, have such disorientation and such doubt? You know, as I read this, one of the things I think I'm seeing, I think there's two things, and I don't think there's really a whole lot, like we have to read into this a little bit, not a whole lot of context. But one of the things I think I see here is maybe it wasn't that he had great faith and now he has little faith. It's maybe Elijah had a misunderstanding with his faith. Maybe He had a misunderstanding. Maybe what he thought, what he believed was being challenged here in this moment. Mm. And maybe because of that, he was wrestling and, and he had this one thought of this is, what Jesus, or this is what his faith was supposed to be. And now it was all being flipped upside down. Yeah, for me, I feel like when I lose my sense of direction the way Elijah has, whoa, um, <laughs> Um, pretty relatable what he's feeling. Um, it's a lot of times it comes from my expectations not being met. Um, even expectations that maybe are communicated and some that clearly are not. <laughs> um, so I naturally live in fantasy world. I'm like, everything is great. Everything's wonderful. Kendall will always know what I need. <laughs> always. <laughs> uh, my kids will figure it out, fill in the blank. Because I did, you know? Uh, being in the ministry will be so easy and joyful all the time. People will confront me if I do something harmful. There'll be no bitterness towards me ever. You know, I've seen amazing things in my 14 years as a disciple. God has been very faithful. 
Um, I have lots of reasons to be faithful. You know, I feel like I got to be a part of the college ministry here a while back. I got to see it grow. Um, you know, young people wanting to go after God, and a lot of them. I got to see my best friend become a disciple, and then her parents became disciples. I got to get married at age 24. You know, I have three kids. Um, we've gotten to travel a lot. Um, both he and I wanted to go into ministry, and we did go into the ministry. Um, I have an amazing, I'd had an amazing childhood with a lot of special memories. And each one I'm really, really, really grateful for. But I think when I moved, I didn't know this, but God was like, we're going we're gonna to go through some things, <laughs> you know? And, and I really didn't, I just, you know, I felt like I was like on cloud nine. Yeah, woo, we're going, we're moving, we're doing our own thing. Uh, it was, it's easy for me just to think that way. I live in an mm -hmm. idealist world, okay? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> let's just say a lot of unexpected things happened, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, so even like when Kendall and I will joke, when 2020 came, the pandemic, we were like, whatever, like, okay. It's almost at that point where we were at, we were expecting bad things. You know, that's just where I was at in my faith mm -hmm. when it happened. And, you know, I think going to Nashville, we learned so much. We saw a lot, um, whether it was in ministry or our own lives, building new friendships is really hard. Um, if you've ever moved, you probably understand that. Um, we saw people hurting on levels that I'd never really known before. Uh, we saw a lot of leadership struggle. Uh, we saw God's people <laughs> be mad with God's people. <laughs> you know, you're like, wait, what's going on? How do you, how do you navigate through this? Um, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, I saw people that didn't really like Kendall, and I'm like, excuse me. No. <laughs> He's great. Um, <laughs> We, we saw a student die. You know, the National Church saw like seven people die under the age of 50 in like six months. It was very heavy on a church. Um, I made more mistakes. <laughs> um, responsibility was given to us that we had no choice. Like, okay, we gotta, we just have to do it. You know, and I just, you know, I really want things to be easy. I <laughs> love my parents. Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, you guys gave me a lot of, they, they did a lot of great things, independence. And maybe it was just like, wow, I just hadn't gone through some things yet. But I think a lot of times instead of being faithful, I just wanted to wave the white flag. <laughs> so when Elijah's like, I'm done, I'm going to die, I'm like, I hear you, I hear you, I, I can relate. Um, you know, I really think God was trying to redefine my faith, add to my faith, increase it. Um, you know, I, I think faith does really include victories and success, answered prayers, quickly answered prayers, miracles. But I think like how my faith continues to grow is going through all of those, that hard stuff. You know, it's almost like, wow, the testing of my faith is really like, oh, this is real. You know, <laughs> it's not just rainbows and sunshines all the time. Um, <laughs> And so I think like for me, what I have had to really learn is that faith isn't just this like, okay, let me pick my faith up and walk with it. Look what I have. I have so many reasons to be faithful, but really it's this, wow, this is something I'm adding. I'm constantly adding to my walk with God that it's not just a clear definition. Here it is, end of story. Here's the box of faith. 
be faithful because God is always good and nothing bad happens. Uh, as we read the Bible, that's clearly not true. Um, but that faith, it has no boxes, it has no circles, it has no ends. It is, it is my walk with God and it's continuing for me to figure out that it's, it really is gonna take me knowing, oh, this is what, it helps me grow and move forward um, and kind of work through faith. I think even, I, I love what even God allows Elijah to get there. You know, I think he wants us to struggle and wants us to come back to him. And I feel like that's what I've had to really work on. Like, oh, I have to go back to him and question and be okay with that. Um, and that can be hard in different seasons for all of us at times. But um, I'm really grateful that I'm learning that it's really the hard stuff that's so much like a part of my faith. And that has allowed me to stay here and stay strong. So, yeah. In Jeremiah 29, you guys probably all know this passage. And if you don't, it's right there. And uh, I remember as a young Christian, this passage being read to me and being told that if I seek God with all my heart and I make him number one in my life, that my life will get better and easier. I remember going, he has plans to prosper you. Kendall, he has a plan, a hope for you to have hope in a future in your life. And he wants to restore the fortunes in your life. And I remember being told that people were like, I have never seen someone who seeks God with all their heart have a harder life than those who don't. I remember thinking that, being told that as a young Christian, and believing that. And I remember when I looked at this patch and going, there's no way that's true. <laughs> and realizing that my faith had been put in the misunderstanding of this passage. And so when hard times came, when things happened that I had no control over that were not beneficial for me, going, God, what are you doing? I, I did this, now you do this. That's the way this works. I pursue you, you make it easier. I pursue you, you make my life better, right? Like, this is how it's supposed to work. And I think about times in my life where I, I had to really wrestle with this and struggle with this. Because the truth of it, if you look at this, the verse before, he says, in 70 years. And then you go, wait, we're all going to be dead in 70 years. <laughs> Unless you're like, you know, like 20, maybe you're alive. You know, like, but we're not going to make it that, like 70 years, most of us will be gone. And so this promise isn't for an individual. There, there's a lot more to that. And I think there are times in our lives that we have put our faith in something that isn't exactly right. And so we're having to learn to really find a holistic view of Scripture and of our faith. It's very disorienting, and it's very difficult. Maybe this is what Elijah was going through. Maybe he thought, if I just trust in God and I bring down the fire from heaven, everyone will believe. Because God promises that it will be better. And so he does that, and they kill all the false prophets, and nothing changed. All right, God, I'm done. <laughs> God, look at what I've done for you. Why is this worse than before? I'm struggling 
in my faith. Maybe Elijah had a misunderstanding in God. Maybe Elijah didn't understand God for who he really was. Maybe he thought at the end of the day God was going to fix everything. Maybe he thought that God was going to make it better. And that because it wasn't better, that was a God problem. Maybe he started realizing that his situations were really big and his God was not big enough for his problems. Right here, it says, Elijah prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. This last thing, I am no better than my ancestors. You know, maybe what he's thinking here is, God, I'm no better than these people around me. God, I'm doubting just like they doubt. I'm struggling just like they struggle. I'm terrified of what following you might mean. I don't know what I'm doing. I I don't trust you enough. I'm done. I'm no better. I'm just as wicked. You can't use me. God, you're not big enough to use someone as sinful as I am. I'm no better than my ancestors. Um, <clears throat> so I think like what I think I have been really grateful because I feel like I really do have the best life, you know, and I'm sure a lot of you could probably say the same thing, what we have, our family, friends, um, uh, but being a disciple is really hard, yeah. FYI, um, <laughs> and I feel like once I've gotten something in my faith, I'm like, all right, I got this. Something new comes along, and I'm like, I don't have this anymore. Um, So as you saw, we have three kids, and we've entered the public uh, school stage. We've entered a lot of other influences stage. The kids have their personal desires. Not so much Ava. Maybe a little bit with candy. But um, I think with these new uh, seasons, it's very, like, I'm, I'm tempted to go to my ideal world. Or even, like, the... Well, just waiting for the next shoe to drop, right? Like, and neither of those are really good choices <laughs> in my faith. Um, you know, you read further down in verse 18, it talks about how God's like, because Elijah says, I'm the only one. I'm like, oh, I feel like I've said that. I'm so dramatic with things. <laughs> and so, and God like sidebar says, there's seven others reserved in Israel who have not bowed down. And I think I'm like, hmm, very interesting point. I feel like he almost like threw that in there. Um, Because, you know, I think for me, I can question everything I do and feel very alone in this season with kids. And it's just moving so fast and you're trying to keep up with them. You know, and I have a daughter. She's amazing. Anna, love her, obviously. But she really keeps me in check. So... (laughs) You know, we're trying to teach them great character, loving people, you know, all this good stuff. But she will, she will, she will call me out. She will check me. She's like, Mom, don't be angry. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, don't get more angry. Um, 
or this one's really fun. She'll go, Mommy, be nice to Daddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I want to laugh, but wow, that's, a, that's different. Um, and I'm grateful. I, I really, I do want her to be able to be able to, to say those kinds of things. But, you know, I'm just like, wow, how do you navigate through this world with children? That's where I'm at in my season of life. How do you navigate this world? It is really loud. Um, how do you keep God louder? You know, um, and I can think no one, no one has a daughter like mine. You know, there's just no way, you know. I can think that. I'm like, no one's, no one's going through anything I'm going through. Like, I am alone, you know, and I'm emotional and dramatic. And I'm like, and Kendall's just so, like, calm. And I'm like, are they not driving you insane? So I'm like, he's different. He doesn't feel the way I feel. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, I need to make friends. I need people, you know, it's easy to go into that mode. And, um, and recently we, we went over to um, uh, Kevin and Deanna Foster's house and we had dinner. They have three kids, we have three kids, they're all kind of the same age. And it was a little chaos, it was wonderful though. It was great, they were running around doing crazy things. And there was a moment where Anna and Jace had like um, an issue. And finally, me and Kevin, we like put all the pieces together. And then uh, him and I were talking to them and we were just like trying to walk them through, through the issue. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, here it is. This, is. this is what God's talking about. You're not alone. You have many people around you. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm new here. I wanna build friendships. It's hard, it can be awkward. And in that moment, we went to their house and, and having those things, I was like, oh, I'm not alone. This is my 7,000, you know? Um, and then just even getting to reconnect with my closest friends here are Latoya and Megan Famadoon and, and, uh, and Jessica Franklin connecting with her and then building all these new friendships. Me and Deanna have known each other from afar, but have never been in the same circle. Um, <laughs> And now we are in the same circle, let me tell you. You know, uh, and I got to hang out with Lauren Yeomans, and I was like, wow, I've always seen you from afar, but I don't know you. And it's just so easy for me to just misunderstand God and like his plan. Like, oh, duh. Like this is, you have the body for me in all my seasons of life, in all the challenges that I'm gonna face. Because um, there will be more. I, you know, I don't expect like only bad things to happen, but I feel like Kendall has this great saying in our house. He goes, low expectations, high standards. <laughs> really good for me who like lives in fantasy world. So I think for me, I'm just like, wow, I don't, I, it's easy to misunderstand God when we're stuck in like, you know, I'm stuck in my challenges, stuck in like the unknown. And it's like, God's like, I'm right here. Like, but a lot of times I'm just like, I just want you to see how big my problems are. Like, I almost want him to be dramatic with me or something. Um, like, make it so big. And God's like, no, I want you to make me big. And I think that's something I have to continually fight for is really learning more about God and that he's the big deal in my life. And he has, he has 7,000 of people for me, you know? Um, and there's so many more people I'm getting to know. I mean, the Northwest community, I feel so grateful. I'm like, oh, okay, we can do this. It's gonna be hard, but all right, we can do this. I'm just really grateful um, 
for the people in my life, but also just grateful that I can figure God out. He's got it. He has this plan. <laughs> I just have to get there, just like Elijah had to get there as well. You know, the, here in 1 Kings 19, right, he, he has this moment where he's like, I want to die. I'm done, God. Please, like, pick someone else. And God leads him and, uh, to this cave and uh, outside of a mountain. And he said, I'm going to come pass by. And we're not going to read this whole thing because it's long. But so, so an earthquake comes, but God's not in the earthquake. And then a fire comes, and God's not in a fire. And then a gentle breeze comes. And Elijah goes out and speaks to God. And that's where what Mackenzie was just saying is, he's like, God, I, like, I've worked so hard. I've done all these things. But God said, I've left 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and who have not kissed him. And this, I think it's this thought, I've shared before, and many of you guys, many of you guys know, that I, I struggle a lot with doubt. That faith is not something that just comes easy to me. I don't wake up in the morning and just, like, oh, God, you're there, and it's amazing. And I, it, it's just not, that's not me. I struggle a lot. Uh, I have a lot of doubts about a lot of things when it comes to God. And I'm not a naturally spiritually-minded-hearted person, if that makes any sense. I think about, like, like, there are some people, when you go on a hike into the, into the woods, and these people, they see a rock on the ground, and they think, this rock was put here by God 10,000 years ago for me. Because he knew that in this moment, in my distrust and in my, in my feelings, that I would need to see this rock and be reminded that the many thousands of drippings that, that have molded this rock in the same way God is molding me and refining me. And he reminds me that I am a part of this. And there's some people like that. You know, Brishoff is like that. And those who are like, that's amazing. I am not like that. If I go into the woods and I see a rock, I think, I wonder how far I can throw this rock. <laughs> and maybe if I'm in a, you know, in a thinking mood, I think, I wonder how many people have stepped on this rock in the last history of time. Maybe I can do the math and figure this out. That's as close as I get to anything spiritual. But what I've realized in my life is though I don't have this natural inclination of seeing rocks and trees and, and leaves and rivers and, and, being, and connecting that some way back to God, I realize that God doesn't come in the big moments. That if I want faith, if I want to really wrestle and work through my doubts, I have to go and listen for the quiet whispers of God. That I have to learn to turn off my distractions, turn off my phone, get out of my house, get away from people who bother me. <laughs> and wait for God to speak. That so often I want the big moments to, to create a solid foundation for me to stand on. All right, God, bring fire from heaven and I will, I will never doubt you again. You know, do some miracle that's unexplainable and, and in no way could anyone disprove and then I will have faith. And what I've realized is there's no faith in that. The faith is being able to sit and go, I'm, I'm here 
and I'm going to wait for you, God. And so right now, we're, we're going to spend a moment, as we do every week, and we're going to take this somewhat juice and this somewhat bread, <laughs> and I want to challenge you to, to, to think and to wait for God. Through all the distractions and all the troubles in life, as there are many of both, the way we work through this is by going and waiting for the whispers of God. As we take this, as we remember Jesus, I, I do want to also encourage you to think about the times that you have been on that mountain or in your room or in a chair in the quiet whispers of God have reassured you and built your faith. So I'm going to pray. That's what we're going to do. God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful uh, that when I look in the Bible, I can find people like me. I can find people who, who are discouraged and, and downtrodden and, and done as I can feel. I'm grateful there are people, that, as I read in the scriptures, there are people that doubt and, and have trouble and, and don't understand you fully and have misunderstandings in their faith. And, and I'm grateful that those people are also the people we call heroes in the scriptures. And I'm grateful for Jesus as Jesus lived this life perfectly, but he also was tempted in the same way as we are tempted. That he wrestled in his faith and he asked questions and, and we see that as we dig into your word. We see that in the garden when he's begging you not to make him go through with dying on the cross. He's begging you for another option. God, I'm grateful for that. Grateful we're not alone. Grateful we have each other to help us, to walk us back to the quiet places where you are. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love us and you are patient with us through our stupidity. And through our ignorance, we, we love you. We, we desperately need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.